Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. It is time once again for the weekly edification that is the Run for God Run Club podcast. Joining me after a recent birthday is Run for God founder Mitchell Hollis. Another year older. Yeah. Are you feeling older? Not really. Nah. No, I think this Couch to Marathon's helping that. Yeah. It's uh, making me feel a little bit younger. So, uh, so yeah. It's just that's, a year. It's just good. a number, right? Yeah, you know, we talk about 2020. I think I got younger in 2020. Uh, at least I feel younger than I did in 2019 yeah. uh, because of my diet. So, <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about a couple of things today. We're going to talk about perseverance. How important is it? We're going to share a story today on how important it is, this whole idea of keep moving forward. We talk about that all the time, little mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that add up. And so keep moving forward is important. We're going to talk about that. And then I'm going to share a story on why it is important to have expectations of your training. So we had a couple of uh, interesting things happen this week in a track meet. Well, in the last couple of weeks in a track meet uh, where some kids from Michigan, high school kids, ran mm-hmm. crazy fast. Um, very fast times. Yeah. We had a girl who ran a 440 uh, indoors, which I, I've shared. I've got a friend of mine whose daughter goes to Georgia Tech, and she holds the record at Georgia Tech mm-hmm. at a Division One school. Um, it's been around for a very long time. And her indoor her, her record for the mile is 440. Wow. Well, this girl ran 440, she's in high school. Wow. So that's crazy fast. Um, and then – to a one-up her, I guess, a guy named Hobbs Kessler, a high schooler from Michigan, ran a 357-mile indoors. It's the third fastest miler mile, or he's he is the third fastest miler in history now. Um, indoor, no, in history. Period. Oh. Indoors or outdoors, and he did it indoors for high school. For high school. For high school. Yeah, okay. the only two okay. guys that are faster are uh, Alan Webb, who right. ran 353, and um, Jim Ryan, who ran 355. And then he's next. And then there's a, there's a bunch of guys between him and four minutes. There's like 12 or 13 of those guys. Uh, but Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's harder to run a faster time indoor because it's a 200-meter it's a loop usually right that is correct as opposed to 400 sheer so you're in a turn more which is harder to do that's exactly right and interestingly this guy i don't know if he i guess maybe he had run indoors before Mm -hmm. uh, but he actually stepped inside the railing at one point which if this was a world championship he would have been disqualified but in high school you get what high high schoolers get three steps and so he was okay but high schoolers are not used to running with a rail Right. And uh, high schoolers usually just have a line, and they're supposed to stay on the outside of that line, but there's no rail. Well, in college and professional ranks, you have a rail there. You can't step on the line. Yeah, you'll break your ankle. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was clear to me that he probably had not run a ton indoors. So what do you think's leading to this? 
Well, I think that because there's been a lot of records there in 2020, been. not just high schoolers but professionals. There's been a lot of records. So what's 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 the cause? Well, you know, we talked about the shoes, and I think shoes yeah. are, are a portion of it. Right. Um, but I think one of the other things is that people are are able to create these longer training blocks now, right. uninterrupted. In the past, you know, you've got to meet every week, and so you're always having to to interrupt with a a. a uh, a race, uh, mm-hmm. a meet, uh, something. Uh, but right now, because people are kind of staying in and they're getting these long training blocks, which are really good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen that. We've seen it before with, with our athletes sure. where they do well with a, with a lot of training. Yeah. Right? Uh, so I think that's part of it. Um, and the other thing is that uh, I think that because there are so few meets, it leads to long, longer training blocks, but it also leads to this expectation mm-hmm. of a race and an anticipation of a race where, you know, I haven't run a race in a month or in some cases many months. And so I'm really, really excited about having the opportunity to run a race. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that leads to faster times as well because you're peaking more often. Yeah, I think the idea, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot. I, I feel that more racing is good on one sense because, especially young athletes, you've got to learn to race. It's mm-hmm. it's an acquired thing. Some people some people just race better than others. There's people who can win a race who aren't really the fastest person, but but they win because they know how to they know how to manage the race and that that comes with experience. But to your point, when you race a lot, Every race kind of becomes just another race. Yeah. And when you only have two in a year, then that race all of a sudden becomes – both of those races become almost like the world championship. Yeah. You're, you're pouring everything into it. You're getting those longer training blocks. So I see the benefit both ways, but obviously, I mean, the records are showing that there may be more of a benefit to uninterrupted training. Yeah, yeah. It's so. interesting. Watching this guy, too, this Hobbs Kessler guy run this race, he was um, – it was an expertly run race. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked like a seasoned professional. They actually, while he was running, compared him to Matthew Centrowitz. Mm. You know Matt Centrowitz. Mm-hmm. That guy is like tactician master. Right. I mean, that's who people point to. If you want to be the most efficient racer, watch Matt Centrowitz run a right. race, and, and you'll figure it out. But this guy, he started out in the back, and because there were only eight in the race, it helped a lot mm-hmm. um, that there were. it was a smaller field if if there had been 14 in this race might have been different Mm -hmm. but he started out in the back and as guys started to slow down he would just kind of go around him go to the next guy get behind him and he had some kick left at the end and wound up finishing third overall in a in a race full of a bunch of guys faster than him Hmm. so yeah the 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 tactician on him uh made, made a big difference impressive it really was impressive so uh you know i i think it's we talk about how God presents us with with ex- opportunity sometimes, um, you know, whether to whether we should run or we shouldn't run, uh, whether we should witness to somebody or we shouldn't witness to somebody, and the fewer those those times come up, like you said, sometimes the fewer the times come up, the better, but sometimes the more often they come up, the better. So it's yeah. it's a, it's an interesting way to look at how we look at a lot of things. Yeah. 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 Hey, it's time for our trivia question from last week. So our la- our trivia question. I knew la- this one. Did you know this I one? I knew this one. All right, right off the top of your head. 
<laughs> and we were trying to check to see how many people have been paying attention on Thursday nights because mm-hmm. our Thursday night, uh, we talked about this very specifically one Thursday night several weeks ago. And we talked about this. Uh, I mentioned something that is referred to as the powerhouse of the cells. Mm-hmm. And the question was, what is that and why it is, why is it called that? And so the, uh, the answer is mitochondria. Mm-hmm. You, again, you knew that. And so I've got this definition from the National Genome Research Institute that I thought was just – it was so good that I normally just say these things, but this one is, is worded well, I think, and it's, this is what it is. Mitochondria are membrane-bound cell organelles – mitochondrion is the singular of that – that generate most of the chemical energy needed to power the cell's biochemical reactions – Chemical energy produced by the mitochondria is stored in a small molecule called adenosine triphosphate, which is also known as ATP. Mitochondria contain their own small chromosomes. Generally, mitochondria, and therefore mitochondrial DNA, are inherited only from the mother. So, the mitochondria's purpose is to produce that energy. Some different cells have different amounts of mitochondria because they need more or less energy. So, for example, the muscle has a lot of mitochondria. The liver has a lot of mitochondria. The kidney does. The, to a certain extent, the brain does um, because those, those things have to operate off of the energy of the, that mitochondria and what it produces. And so uh, we talked about why mitochondria is important to running and, of course, um, it's what powers muscles, mm-hmm. right? So obviously it's going to be important to running because it's what determines how much energy you have and how much force you can apply based on the a- amount of energy that comes from that mitochondria. Um, so, But the interesting thing about mitochondria to me is that we still – we understand that it works, but we don't understand quite how it works. So It's one of those God mysteries. It is. It is. And I love those. I love those God mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some ways that you can boost your mitochondria? Obviously, we're all looking for the magic thing of what can I do to give myself more energy or to make myself stronger. And here are some things that you can do. First, make sure your carbohydrate consumption is quality carbohydrates. So we talk all the time about this, that not all carbohydrates are, are created equal. Right. And that uh, the Kenyans, most of their diet is carbohydrates, and, and they're – the last I checked, they were pretty fast. Mm. <laughs> and um, so carbohydrates in and of themselves are not bad, but mm-hmm. processed sugars and things like that are not good carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So good, high-quality carbohydrates when you do consume them, and then make sure your protein is also very high uh, in quality. The L-carotene and the creatine um, – the things that you have to create through your body have to come from good quality protein. So good quality protein is also important. And is there bad quality protein? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So protein is not all equal either. So another way, omega-3s boost your respiratory enzymes. And so that helps the function of mitochondria if your respiratory enzymes are, are more plentiful. Um, Fish, salmon, sardines, um, uh, ve- some vegetables like spinach and broccoli, uh, yams, Brussels sprouts, carrots, beets. Those are all really good 
foods that you can eat that are good with omega-3s that will boost your respir- respiratory enzymes. You had me until you said sardines and Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Gotta, I'm, I'm mm, there with you. Yeah. I'm there with you. I don't eat Brussels sprouts. I don't eat, I don't eat beets. Now, I do use beet like powder, beets. but I don't like beets in and of themselves. I like beets in a salad. Do you? Of course, usually they're candied yeah, yeah well, that's, <laughs> <laughs> and there's another one physical exercise that's good for all of us to hear right absolutely um, specifically the aerobic zone and the high intensity zone so we talk about training at different speeds um, training at a high intensity seems to increase the function of our mitochondria in other words it helps our mitochondria become more efficient mm-hmm. when we run at those really fast and high intensity speeds where we lose our breath and it's hard mm-hmm. um, sprinting things like that help the function of our of, of each mitochondria training at a long slow pace helps create more mitochondria it helps create volume uh, volume of mitochondria and so uh, that's that's why we talk about all the time and we say it all the time you've got to run at different speeds Mm -hmm. for those folks who are running the same speed every time they go out to run here it is this is why right so uh, so yeah you want to run fast and slow if you want to want your mitochondria to produce the most energy possible and then last, and everybody knows this one's important, but it's important to mitochondrial density, and that is reduce stress. Hmm. Um, rely on God more. That'll reduce your stress. You know, I never thought I would know this much about mitochondria. Now. <laughs> this is a, it's been educational. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of diseases that are associated with uh, dysfunctional mitochondria. Um <laughs> We don't even know about all of them, but we know that in a lot of folks that have diseases, they have malfunctioning mitochondria. And so it only stands to reason that if you're a runner mm-hmm. and you're boosting your mitochondrial both density and function, that you're helping to prevent disease. Again, we don't know the, the direct connection between the two, but it just seems common sense-wise to so, make sense. So less stress, more sleep exercise and eat right man seems like a theme yeah you know for mitochondria but it's for everything else that's that seems to be a reoccurring uh, recipe for just overall good health that's right that's right and god tells us to take care of our bodies and that's how we do it right yeah (laughs) good question dean yeah so hey if you're out there and you're wondering what else is available through the uh, run club that that maybe i haven't seen yet and so how about these? I don't know if you've been out there and you've checked out the extra videos that we've got. Mm-hmm. But back a few years ago, we did a, a series of videos. I don't know. There's 30 of them or so that were called Dean's Thoughts on the Run. And uh, they were just videos that kind of kind of the same thing as Dean's Thoughts. But these were while we were running. We mm-hmm. were we were taping. It was it's an interesting thing. Try to imagine. We had you, a lot of funny looks from people we, passersby doing that. We did. We did. It was uh, and and some funny things that happened during the the videoing of some of those. Yeah, I think we had a chicken truck. Yeah, a fire truck. Fire truck. We had cows. Cows. Do we have a train? I'm thinking a train. I think we heard a train. Heard a train. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, and yeah. we never we never skipped a beat. We yeah. the rule was no matter what happens, 
we're going to keep filming. Yeah, we had and, we had cars that would come up behind us because we were moving so slow. And they're like, they what just... in the heck are these? Because the contraption, what you don't see on camera, and you, if you haven't watched these, you got to go watch them. But we had a a, a battery powered car, so a, a a car that so you couldn't hear the car. So people wonder how we put these together. And then we had somebody in the back of that car videoing Dean running. And then we had a TV so that Dean, you know, took his cues on what to say. And we're on open roads that are open to traffic. So we had firemen, we had cars, we had cows wondering what in the world are these people doing? And we never skipped a beat. It was a lot of fun. They were. We, We may have to kick that series back up again at some point. Yeah, yeah. When we get some time to do that, that would be fun. That would be fun. All right, it is time once again to talk about J Radio. Um, if you haven't been out there and listened to J Radio, I don't know what you're waiting for, but uh, I've gotten a lot of good positive comments on mm-hmm. on our uh, playlist. Yeah. And so they say that they say that Holly's playlist it starts off with a really high energy song, and it makes them try it makes them start out too fast. Really? So, uh, yeah. Well, then they need to flip over to mine. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So everybody's got one out there. Go check out J Radio. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. So we're back, and you can send questions, messages, anything that you want to say to Dean at runforgod.com. The, the email volume has picked up lately, mm. um, and uh, lots of questions about some things. And so email me, dean at runforgod.com. I can't always get to you within an, within an hour, but I try to get there quick. But sometimes uh, – but I will get to you, mm-hmm. I promise, if you'll ask a question. So um, if you don't know about Run For God and you're on this – podcast and you just maybe you were just searching for some podcasts you're just checking this one out maybe you've listened so far and you think hey these this sounds pretty good um, go to runforgodrunclub.com and check out what run club is all about because there's a lot more of the same there uh, so and don't, don't forget that we would love for you to share your story we have gotten uh, several stories in lately some really really good ones and you've heard some of those on this podcast uh, but don't wait any longer Go out there and send in your story so we can share your story on this podcast. And maybe if you if you live close, like uh, Angie does, mm-hmm. she was close enough where she came and actually shared her story live. Or maybe you're traveling through. Yeah. And you want to make a stop in Chattanooga or Dalton, we'd love to have you. Absolutely. I don't mind taking a back seat any day for somebody to tell their own story because we we you do a pretty good job of telling people stories, but yeah. it's... Not it's just not the same as coming from the mouth of the person who lived it. And uh, so that was that was pretty cool to hear Angie's story from her own lips last week. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get to the story, Couch to Marathon, how's it going? It's going good. Yeah. And there's still time. Uh, we still have lots of new people joining even this week. Uh, so there, if, if you've done any kind of running in the past, or even if you're fairly active but you've never run, you can still jump in at this moment. Um, 
you know, we just announced the the Run for God 5K this April 10th. And uh, if you were part of the Couch to Marathon program, you're going to get a free a free registration into that. Now, you do have to come to Georgia. We don't have a virtual option this year. Um, we've got somebody coming from Alaska. Oh, wow. To run at the mill. And Is our, that Gene? Yes, it is Gene. Yeah, it's Gene. And Gene Marcy? That's right. Marcy. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be a, a cool. We're going to have some some other activities specifically for the run club. We may have a a dinner either Friday night or Saturday night. It's going to be low-key. We're not going to have a lot of glitz and glamour and lights. It's going to be low-key because that's the way I like things. That's the way you like things. And honestly, I think that's the way most people like things. Yeah. You know, we may have – we've got a good buddy that that's an incredible – barbecuer and so we may have a barbecue dinner on saturday night and just sit around and and tell stories and get to know each other and and share um kind of like we do on the facebook group but doing it in person and i can't wait to meet a lot of these people i've I've already seen where there's a lot of people coming to georgia for this race and it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun so if if you haven't signed up join us on uh, for the Mar- Couch to Marathon Challenge, the Marathon Challenge. And uh, if you do that, you get a free entry to uh, the Run for God 5K April 10th. Come to Georgia and let's have a let's have a big party. Yeah, that's, it's going to be so And much we may fun. all go to church together Sunday morning. If yeah. you're still around Sunday, we'll all meet up and go to church together. That yeah. would be really, really cool. What a great weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'll be rolling in late Friday evening. Um, yeah. To, to meet those that are there uh, late Friday evening, I'm coming from my my cross country team. My college girls earned the right to run in the national championships, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and so Friday morning they're going to be running in the, the national championships, and Friday evening I'm going to be in Dalton, Georgia, with you. So come out there and, <laughs> and join us. It's going to be great fun. Going to be a big day. Uh, all right, hey, we all have some baggage, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do, Dean. <laughs> and we don't like to talk about it, right? Um, but how do we handle our baggage? I mean, how do we how do we handle when things come at us that are that are just really really tough? And I think sometimes we freeze, and then sometimes we keep moving. And this is a great story about how, how Run for God actually made a difference in helping her continue forward. Her name is Cassie Lance. She's from Staunton, Virginia. And the title of her devotion is Perseverance in Moving Forward. I never thought I would be able to run. Living a healthy lifestyle was always something I desired, but I have fought a lifelong battle with weight. I was often bullied and taunted by my family and peers. The result was an unhealthy relationship with food and dieting and minimal self-esteem. Despite the weight battles, perseverance has been one of my strong points. I started exercising regularly in 2005, determined that even if I didn't lose weight, I would at least improve my fitness level. But running was still something I thought I couldn't do. I had even attempted to run since I played basketball in middle school a decade prior. Even then, I was always far behind my teammates. Now fast forward to 2012. I was a regular at the YMCA, enjoying strength training, working on the elliptical, and intervals of walking and jogging on the treadmill. My running intervals were generally one or two minutes, and I eventually worked my way up to running for five minutes. 
Well, one Saturday morning, I thought to myself, I wonder if I can run a mile. Much to my surprise, I did. It had been 16 years since I had even attempted to run a mile. I was thoroughly elated by the accomplishment, and upon sharing it with my coworkers, someone suggested that I try a 5K. Now, the thought of running three miles was intimidating, but I continued increasing my mileage on the treadmill. Finally, about a year after I had run my first mile on the treadmill, I took my running outdoors. I completed my first 5K and then several more after that. It felt so amazing to think that not long before, I couldn't run a mile and was now running races. I didn't realize until much later how therapeutic running could be. In early 2014, I hit a low point in my life. My family of origin is quite dysfunctional, and growing up in that environment had done quite a bit of damage that I had never dealt with, but had kept hidden inside. I reached the point where I could not not hold on to it any longer. Bringing light to that family dysfunction, unfortunately, cost me my relationship with my family members, to which I was closest and ultimately cost me my job. It was during this point that I also recognized I needed to draw closer to my Heavenly Father and fully surrender my life to Him. It was truly God's work in process when our church introduced the Run for God study. Meeting together weekly for Bible study, discovering the parallels between running and our walk with Christ, then going for a run became a sanctuary for me. I found acceptance and friendship. I began to increase the distance of my solo runs. Having always felt closer to God outdoors than in church, my running became a time to reflect, pray, or to even simply admire God's creation. I found the confidence to increase my distance, working up to a 10K. Then I undertook another big challenge, a half marathon. I joined a group of friends from Run for God, to begin training for a half marathon. We began running on Saturday morning, starting with a five-mile run and finishing with a 12-mile run. As the day of the race drew near, my anxiety skyrocketed. At one point, I considered not going through with the race for fear that I would not finish. Reflections of past criticism had me near paralyzed with fear to the point of not being able to run for a few days in the week leading up to the race. Again, God's work was in progress as I received an outpouring of support and encouragement from my friends as well as reflection on a verse I had learned early in life, Philippians 4.13. The night before and morning of the race, I had a feeling of peace and calmness, knowing that I could complete the race and that God was with me. Not only was this race, not only through this race, but through every step of my walk with him. I finished that race physically exhausted, but spiritually invigorated, praising him for perseverance. Wow. That's a cool story, Cassie. Um, I just, I love how these stories seem to be getting more and more transparent. Yeah. Um, And I think the more and more transparent we are, the more people that these stories will impact. And I think I think Cassie's story is going to impact a lot of people. I Just because you're... of the subject matter that she's talking about, I think a lot of people 
struggle with what she struggled with and, and so hats off to her for for being this transparent thank you cassie yeah several big issues actually mm-hmm. in this one story all wrapped up in this one story exactly the scripture passages are kind of like the gold standard yeah. for uh, for running scripture passages, right? Hebrews twelve one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders uh, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, I told you on the way up here. Um, it's it's so funny how you can read. I mean, I've read this verse thousands of times. Yeah. This is the run for God verse. And this morning, God took me on a completely different direction when when reading this verse and praying about it. Um, it just it just hit me different. And it what what God showed me about this verse and through Cassie's story was doubt is one of those things that the evil one will use to try and trip us trip, trip us up. Which is why so many times it's it's so effective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might be thinking, how can the evil one use doubting the ability to run a half marathon? How can he use that against us? And I think many times the devil will use doubt to make us question our identity. And if he can question our identity, then he can make us start questioning a lot of other things. You know, I had a very similar story to, to Cassie's on the training front um, several years ago when I when I did my, my most recent iron man um and i even shared this with you i don't know if you remember or not but it was the last month or so before the iron man i was i was dealing with my my father at the time was in the hospital my stepfather was in the hospital i was trying iron man is a very demanding training Mm -hmm. load and i got to the point where i was ready to throw in the towel and i think i shared this with you in Mm -hmm. my driveway one day yep I said, I think, you know, there's just a lot going on. I think I'm going to throw in the towel on this. And you really encouraged me, don't do that. And I didn't. And I look back now, and especially after hearing Cassie's story, and had had I thrown in the towel, and some people might think this is a stretch comparing this to our faith, but it's not. Mm-mm. You know, if I throw in the towel on that, the day of that Iron Man when I'm sitting at home, I know what's going to happen to my psyche. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to question my identity. Why did you do that? And that bleeds over to a lot of other areas of our life. And that's where the devil can a lot of times get a foothold into our spiritual life is he comes through the back door from something else. Yeah. And that's why, you know, and, and I love your story that's coming up. It kind of speaks to this from a different angle on, on anticipating. Yeah. Um, that's I think that's why it's so important that we do follow through on things that we know God has led us to. Cassie knew that God led her to the Run for God program to run this half marathon, but the evil one was trying everything he could do to get her to throw in the towel, and that would lead to her question in her life in other areas. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's just it's, – it's almost comical sometimes that we'll read a verse that we've read many, many times before and got to take us in a completely different direction. Yeah, yeah, that's boy dead on. I mean, great, great analysis, and and so true that God uses. It's funny because in this situation, God is using situations in the past, mm-hmm. troubled situations in her past, and reminding her about those to confuse mm-hmm. her her current her now. Right, and 
we're new creations. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible talks about us being different and new, and and not not that maybe she was she might have been a Christian at the point where she was going through these things. That's that's the point is is that today is a new day, and what can we do today? Mm-hmm. And and not dwell on what happened yesterday, man. If I dwelled on all the bad things that I've done in my life every day, gosh, I don't know where I'd be. It would mm-hmm. be bad. It would be bad. It, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's, Another one of these verses. Last night, I, you, I've, you've heard me talk on here before that uh, I have a small. I'm a small group leader with our youth on Wednesday nights and I have a group of high school guys and we talked about this very verse last night from a completely different angle again Um, we were talking about um, fear and things like that but the the crux of this verse is not that you can do anything the crux of this verse is being content and um, being content with who you are uh, where you are how fast you are the job you have, the life you have, you know, that that is another area that the devil will slip in and just try to make us discontent. Comparison. Comparison. Mm-hmm. And contentment is not to be confused with complacency. Yeah. Uh, we are called to be content. We're called to be happy and have joy with where we're at. We're not called to be complacent, which some people will try to confuse those two. Um, but discontentment is yet a, another distraction that the devil will use many times to steal our joy. If he can't, if he can't, um, if we're not one of those people who who quit easily, like we were talking about before, then maybe he'll he'll get us. He'll he'll use our our tendencies against us. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's self driven. He he wants to conquer the world. Then I'm going to use his lack of. Con- I'm going to use his lack. Of, I'm going to use contentment against him. Yep. Or lack thereof. And so it's funny how the progression of these verses just it's I see, at least this morning in studying these, I'm seeing different ways that the evil want to come at us and why God calls us to keep our eyes on him. Yeah, that's interesting thought, because I I think about I I love football Mm -hmm. um, and football defenses. Mm-hmm. The way football defenses work sometimes is if you get an overly aggressive defense, mm-hmm. you you change your offense to take advantage of that, mm-hmm. right? And 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 vice versa, right? And so that's why that's why they say the prevent defense doesn't prevent anything, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> because it's it's meant to keep everything in front of you, and sometimes that's not a good thing, yeah. And so because bad things can happen when you do that, but anyway, a, line, a linebacker yeah. who's content where he's at is a good thing, but a linebacker who's complacent. Is a bad thing. That's right, and that that kind of illustrates too much confidence in that place. Yep. will get you burned every time. Yep. But contentment, patience, that's where a linebacker shines. Got to be in between. Exactly in between. Yeah. The third scripture reference: Philippians three thirteen and fourteen. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do: forgetting what is behind. And straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Hmm. We've discussed all of these verses in the past, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Uh, So many verses in the Bible that are relatable to us as runners. Uh, And it's pretty cool that when you think about this, I I don't know. I, I, I had never really thought about this, but I thought about it while I was 
preparing for this, I thought, what other sports are mentioned in the Bible? Can you name any? There's not many. Now, the only other, th- the only other thing that is a sport that I know is referenced in the Bible is wrestling. You know, when Jacob wrestles with God. But is there any other sport? I can't think of it. I guess, I guess wrestlers, wrestling and running are the only sports recognized by Scripture. That yeah. that, that ought to make us pretty happy. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, it, the the thing about and the thing about the the fighting and the the wrestling that's that's mentioned in the Bible it's never mentioned from a, a contest standpoint other mm-hmm. than in in the context of of war or or things right. like that. Um, but for running, it's an actual race. Yeah, that it's talked about multiple times. Sure, it's awesome, awesome. We have the best sport. There's absolutely. I mean, it's that's undeniable oh, yeah, it's, right there. It's that's scientifically just proven. Yep. We've, we've talked about that. <laughs> Question one. How can we discern if we are per- persevering toward God's plan for our lives or our own plans? It's a tough question, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I think we tend to think that if everything's going well, we must be on the right path. Right? We reason that God must be blessing this thing if things are going well. Uh, but if that were true, then a lot of people who are doing – really bad, evil things, <clears throat> wouldn't prosper in doing those things. And we know that that happens sometimes. You, you know, this concept is, this is one that really gets under my crawl. Um, if you're listening to this and you're not Southern, you may not understand that <laughs> phrase. But th- this is such a perversion of Scripture, the idea that if you're doing good, you must be godly. And if yeah. you're doing, if you're not doing good, then you must have sin in your life, you know. Job dealt with this. I mean, this mm-hmm. we're, we're going through Job as a, as a church right now. And Job had all these friends, in air quotes, coming around him saying, hey, you need to get rid of the sin in your life. And that is just such a perversion. You know, nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in Scripture, does Jesus say, follow me and things will get easy. Um. I don't know where this. I don't know where this originated. I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's just a society thing. Um, I mean, it was tough, and it was it was the case in Job's day, and it's the case today. You know, even today, people will, you know, you'll you'll he- kind of hear judgment on people that are going through rough things, and the fact is, it's really quite the opposite. Um, you know, Scripture's clear. It says. Pick up your cross daily. We've talked about this verse on here mm-hmm. before, and that that's not a picture of ease. Ease. It's mm-hmm. not. Um, Paul talks about how he rejoiced in his affliction. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was pain and agony going on there, and he was right where God wanted him. John sixteen thirty three says, "I have said these things to you, that in me, in Jesus, you may have peace, but in the world." You have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here because you asked the question, how do we know that we're on the right track and and not ours? And I think what God was laying on my heart through all of these verses before, and I know Cassie probably wouldn't think, thinking when she wrote this, that all these verses were going to be tied together, but that's exactly what God did with me this morning. And so how do we know if we're on God's track? How do we know if we're centered in God's will? You hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. And what God revealed to me this morning was one word, peace. 
Yeah. You know, you have to you have to get alone, number one, and make your request known to God. Scripture is clear about that. And, you know, we always make the statement that there's three answers God will give. You know, there's yes, there's no, and there's wait. God will mm-hmm. always answer prayer. But sometimes that, that doesn't really make sense because we don't hear an audible voice. But I think what he showed me this morning was you'll get three answers from God and you'll get it in these forms. You will either get consternation about what you're praying about, stress. Mm -hmm. You'll get nothing or you'll get peace. And the the first step is you got to make it known to God. You've got to pray about things. You hear people say, I need need to go get peace about this. And that kind of sounds weird, but it's really not. Because if you pray, if you get alone and you really commit to whatever it is you're thinking about doing to God in prayer, you're either going to get peace, you're going to get stress about it, or you're going to get nothing. That is yes, no, or wait. Um, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peace comes from him. And... I, you know, and whatever it is, the question is, have you prayed about it? Mm-hmm. And do you have peace about it? And if you have peace about it and you've prayed about it, then by all means, go forward with it. And that peace can come in different forms. Sure. Sometimes it is just a feeling. It's a calmness. It's just a, I, I can tell this is where I need to be. And then sometimes there is something that happens that mm-hmm. makes it very clear that is, only God could have orchestrated that. That, that, that gives you that the peace. Yeah. That confirms that. And typically what my experience has been with God is that the way that the level of that calmness and the way that you get that confirmation is commensurate with just how much doubt you have, right? Yeah. Because if – and there's, I, I'll admit there's times where, where my doubt is, is so severe that I, I almost need that sign. And when I need that sign, he provides that sign. Yeah. But a lot of times he doesn't provide that sign because I don't need it. I, I can tell. I can feel it, right? Right. So th- it comes in all forms. Well, that's, that's why every time I've ever – given some kind of invitation um because I, th- I think god will many times work the loudest and in situations where salvation is the question um and usually there's there's not silence here it's either stress or peace and so you know think about think about your salvation and maybe you're out there listening to this right now ask god and god Am I your child? If you are, you know it mm-hmm. because you have what? Peace. Peace. Mm-hmm. When that question comes, I remember, I remember being in church when I was 21 years old and I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I remember that preacher asking the question, do you know that you know? That's why I say that a lot because that's what brought me to the cross. Do you know that you know? If you really start praying to God about that question, the, you're going to know what God's speaking sounds like, feels like, well, how, however you want to describe it, because you're going to have a perfect peace, which I have every time I hear that invitation now. Thank God I have that. But I remember the day that I didn't have that. And it's like God was screaming 
at the top of his voice, something's wrong. But it took me bowing my head and and really focusing on God and and getting quiet to realize that. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times, so many times we're, we're we may or we may not be in the center of God's will and doing what God wants us to do because we don't we don't stop and ask we don't we don't stop and get along with God and, and some people say I don't I don't know if I'm doing God's will well have you asked and I think if you ask you will get the answer to that yeah I think about atheism mm-hmm. and the way that why do a lot a lot of atheists feel compelled to speak out against Christianity. Well, I can tell you why. It's because the evil one is in their ear tell them they need to. Mm-hmm. If they think that our faith is so baseless, if they think that the whole thing is just a fable and a story, which you know is what the, a lot of atheists will tell you, then why is it a big deal to get in people's face about it? Well, it's a big deal because they're being convicted. Sure. They feel that conviction. Right. Even if they'll never admit it, they feel it. So, yeah, I think that you're right. Um, you either have peace or you have conviction. You know, it used to really bother me to your point. You know, we do the God Loves You campaigns, the Who Do You Say That I Am campaigns. And, we'll, you know, when we do an ad buy, like on Facebook, and we do the God Loves You campaign and we're inviting people to the Peace With God, Run For God page, you know, many people listen to this may have never seen that ad and it's because we don't target people that have the indication that they're Christian. We're we're pushing that out to the dark corners of Facebook many times. And it used to really bother me because we would get some absolute hate mm-hmm. uh coming back at us on that. And and a good friend of mine, Mark Yoho, actually helped me write chapter nine and ten. You know, he told me one time, he said, Mitchell, that's those are the biggest opportunities. Yeah. You should be rejoicing because for somebody to reach back out and lash out like that means that they're under extreme conviction. They may not know that that's what that is, but that is exactly what that is. And those are your biggest opportunities because mm-hmm. if they're willing to be that vocal, he said, think of Paul. Paul was absolutely, he, he was that person in that day. He was persecuting Christians. He was putting them in jail. But if you can take that person and you can lead them to Christ and let Christ transform them, they're going to be just as vocal for God, yeah. just like Paul was. Yeah, and, and our, he, our, our response is crazy important, too, and how we respond to those things. Yeah, cause my, because my my be flesh back then, mm-hmm. you know, this was early on in Run for God. I just – you wanted to shake your finger and say, get lost, whatever. But Mark really helped me understand that, that's that's the resp- those are the people we're trying to get. We're trying to yeah. uh, prompt those responses, but to your I, point, it's it's how we respond that can make yeah. all the difference in the world. Mark is such a wise guy. He is. I mean, he really. I said that sounded bad. <laughs> he is a wise man. He's truly a wise person. He yeah. is. Uh, and I think about there's and I don't want to go into politics, but there's been this story in the news recently where one person who who supports one side of the aisle, right. um, they, they they live in an area where they get a lot of snow. Well, their next-door neighbor, who supports the opposite side of the aisle, came and shoveled their driveway out for free just, just to be nice. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out what's their motivation. Mm-hmm. What are they trying to do? You know, And 
we won't go into all of that, but that's that's the response that we want from folks who lash out to us is, wait a minute, he's not responding by lashing back out to me. He's responding in love and mm-hmm. trying to be helpful and trying to share something with me. And they might they might still continue to lash out at you, but I'll never forget, and I don't remember his name. He 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 did the series sharing sharing God sharing Jesus without fear. And he always said that there were there were many times that people shared Jesus with him that he he denigrated them, he lashed back at them, he used ugly words with them, but he never forgot the time, the mm. place, or the face of each one of those people. And it was so important to eventually bringing him to Christ. So great great point. Yeah. Second question, how can a less than stellar past be used for God's glory? <laughs> Where do we start? Testimony. I mean, it's it's we all we all have a past. We talk about this on here all the time. We all have a story, and God can use every single story of every single person listening to this podcast, no matter how insignificant you may think it is. Somebody needs to hear it. Yeah, yeah. It 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 doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the world is – I mean, I think about people who are evangelists and very, very often, especially on the, the youth side, and we talked about Michael Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, but on the youth side, I see it all the time of these way less than perfect people who come. We see it in prison ministry mm-hmm. in people who came, got out of prison, found Christ, or maybe even found Christ in prison, mm-hmm. and come back to prison because they know what they feel like. And when – when you've overcome a particular sin or a particular problem, then you led, uh, lend a lot of credence to that. The reason why people listen to me talk about running mm-hmm. is because I have a lot of knowledge about running. I've been to that well a lot of times, and so people listen to me and want to know my opinion because of that. Well, if, I was, if I'm an alcoholic struggling, who do I want to hear from? Mm-hmm. Somebody who overcame that, yeah. right? Well, kind of going back to Mark Yoho, it's funny you bring this up. You know, most people that hear Mark Yoho preach will never know this side of Mark, and, and he wouldn't mind me telling this, but Mark has some pretty um, pretty uh, elaborate tattoos on his forearms. Um, and when he preaches, he, he wears long sleeves. He keeps that covered up because he doesn't want that to be a distraction. Um, that, was, that was from a former life and a, a past life. But you know what Mark does when he goes into prisons? He rolls his sleeves up. Yeah. And because the guys in prison, they, they see that, and they recognize what those tattoos are. But then they look at his life now, and it's – I mean, it, it is the Saul to Paul story. I mean, That's... Mark's testimony is very similar to that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's to your point, it, it, it lends itself – people will listen to him – when they won't listen to anybody else. And people will listen to you, the people listening to this podcast. They, there are people out there who will listen to you that won't listen to anybody else because they relate to you or because you've impacted their life in some other way. Mm-hmm. And every day as we interact with people, we're planting seeds. And yeah. who knows when God may put us in front of them to present the gospel. And if those seeds have been planted, the door's open and they're going to listen. And let's be clear about this. A lot of people look at it and go, well, my story is not big and fantastic. It don't need to be. Mm -mm. There are some people that struggle with the smallest, minutest thing that you don't think was a big deal, 
Or maybe you did think it was a big deal, but you figure, well, I'm different than everybody else. Or I'm the only one. Yeah, yeah. You're well, not the only one. No. Period. And so whatever your story is, you can probably impact somebody else. Exactly. Question three, can we indeed do anything through Christ who gives us strength? We kind of talked about that a little bit, um, and we've talked about that here. And it's like, can I run a sub-two-hour marathon? No. No, that's not going to happen. Um, but that's not what God's will is for my life. God yeah. does not place that upon me to run a sub-two-hour marathon. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of – I'm going to kind of come back to where I was talking before. But the question is – do you have peace with what you're about to do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I close my eyes and, and I, I start praying to God about running a sub two hour marathon, there's not going to be peace about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care how bad I want it. <laughs> now, could God do that? Yes. I don't think he is because I don't have peace about it right now just thinking about it. <laughs> you'll, uh, be, you, you'll be off pace after the first quarter mile. <laughs> exactly. But... But, but with that said, God does call people to do some pretty obscure things that they never mm-hmm. thought they could do. You know, the military has a, they, a term, and it's called peace through strength. Yeah. But in our, in our faith life, in our Christian life, that term is backwards. We, mm-hmm. get, we get strength through peace. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me well how do you get that strength you get you get strength from the peace that he gives you that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing a lot of people leave that out um peace can give you incredible strength it's giving people the strength to shut the mouths of lions yeah to face down giants to be killed for standing on the truth of jesus christ you know there's been plenty of martyrs out there do do you think that they were terrified in many of those situations i don't think so because if somebody is saying renounce your religion or you're gonna die terror would make you renounce your religion right peace only peace would allow you to, to not up. to not do that to stand up and to be mm-hmm. killed, um, you know, peace is the only reason that run for God is here. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a two hour marathon, but when when I felt God really pulling me to do this ministry and speaking to me through other people who some of which weren't even runners, you know, mm-hmm. they were just people in my church and all the circumstances, it was something that I fought. But I knew, I knew that God was preparing and going to give me the strength to do it because of the peace He was giving me. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess I think about chaplains and pastors that you hear, and you know, a lot of times they're they're at the deathbeds of of many people. I know my pastor has been at the deathbed of of lots and lots of people. Yeah. Um, and just because of that vocation, you, you're a part of that. But it's interesting to hear those people talk about how. People who are conscious and cognitive within minutes of dying, they talk about how you can you can see without anything being said a child of God. Yeah. Because they're either anxious or terrified 
about what's about to happen. They know it's coming. Yeah. And they're, they, you know, I, I've never seen it personally. Yeah. But you hear them, you hear people talk about how there's just a terror on some people. And then there's complete peace. People that are just ready to go. Yeah. That is, that is strength. strength. That yeah, is strength, strength. Yeah. through peace. Yep. And it's, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for this story because it really, God really gave me a different outlook on strength today and and what, what it means to be in God's will. And my word for the day, it may be my word for the year now is peace. Yeah. A a lack of peace means a lack of God. Yep. And 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 the presence of peace means you're right where you need to be. That's right. And so, you know. Money cannot give you peace. Money can give you happiness, but even the happiest people can be in turmoil down low, you know, in the in the inner parts of their being. But the poorest of people can be at complete peace. Yeah. And I don't know. I just that's my word of the year now is peace. Yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff. You get up early before the kids for your morning workout. Spend some time studying or reading your devotion. And pick up the kids each afternoon. Whatever the moment, J Radio has you covered. Get your account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store. J Radio, music for every moment. All right, so we recently had the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm just kidding. So here's a question. Which is more impressive? Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl at age 43 or Abdi Abdi Rahman making the Olympic marathon team at the age of 43? Okay, well, I'm going to be completely transparent. I have no idea who that is that you just said. Well, you just know he's a 43-year-old man who made the Olympic team. So the question is, is it impressive for somebody to make the Olympics at 43 yeah. or to win the Super Bowl at 43? Yeah, which one is a more impressive feat? I'm assuming Abdi is a runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He made the Olympic team, the Olympic marathon team. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know that. Um, I, I don't know. They're, they're both very impressive. They really are. Aren't they? Uh, the fact that Tom Brady went to a completely different organization and then did it the first year there, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan, but he's the you, goat. You got to give him credit, don't <laughs> he's you? He's the goat. Yeah, you got to give him credit, absolutely. Yep, no question about it. All right, it's time for Dean's Thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Let me ask this question. Do you have expectations for yourself with your running? Well, you should, and I'm going to tell you why. This is called Train with Expectation. Did you know that the hitters who strike out the most are usually also the same hitters that hit the most home runs? It's not true in every case, but as a general rule, it is. So why is that? It's because they have a different expectation of hitting a home run. They, they know in order to hit a home run, they have to swing harder at the ball as it approaches. 
it is quite possible that some of these hitters could hit for a higher average if they would slow the bat down a little and just try to hit the ball easier. But here's the thing. Do you know who has hit more home runs than anyone else? Most people can name either Barry Bonds or Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth. They were larger than life. Why? Because they hit home runs. Unless you're a big baseball fan, you probably don't know who owns the highest lifetime batting average and may not even know the name, Ty Cobb. If you're a baseball fan, you know about the shot heard around the world. It was a home run hit in an important game in the 1960s. Reggie Jackson was called Mr. October because of the home runs he hit in the playoffs and World Series. If I think about all the baseball games I've attended, and it's been many, one of the most vivid memories I have is a crazy long home run that Sammy Sosa hit while we were watching him from the stands at Wrigley Park. Why do I bring this up? The really great things in life happen when we take a chance. The best moments we remember usually take place when we put ourselves out there. Does that mean that we will always be successful? No. But the more we put ourselves in a position where something big can happen, the more likely it is that it's going to, we're going to do it. Ask Reggie Jackson. At one time, he held the record for the most strikeouts in the season. <laughs> Does anyone remember that? Sarah Hall is 37 years old. She recently ran a spectacular marathon in London to beat the reigning world champion. She put herself out there and hit a home run. Very recently, she ran another marathon, just 11 weeks after the London Marathon. She decided she was going to try for the American record. She went out on pace and held record pace for almost 20 miles. She then began to slow and fell about a minute short by the time she crossed the finish line. It wasn't what she was after but she still ran the second fastest time for an American. There are a few things that strike me when I look back at her performance. First, she's 37 years old. It's not typically at 37 that you're setting personal records. Second, she was only 11 weeks removed from her last marathon. Most professionals will tell you to wait at least five or six months before running another marathon, if you expect peak performance at least. But you know what? interested me the most about her experience? She was not quite satisfied. She had just run the second fastest time ever for an American, and that was not enough for her. And don't get me wrong, she was happy with her performance, just not elated. So what am I getting at here? It is that attitude that drives Sarah. The attitude that the only way to swing is for the fence. She'll take the base hit and be happy with it, but the next swing will be for the fence again. She's running a half marathon in February against some of the best runners in the world. If I know Sarah, she'll be trying to win that race. We can all take a lot from that attitude. No, I'm not saying we can all attempt an American record. What I'm saying is that the reason Sarah was there to begin with is that she trains with expectation. Just like Reggie Jackson used to take batting practice with the expectation to be able to hit home runs in a game, Sarah trains with her goals in front of her all the time. I guarantee that she is thinking about the American record while she trains. It pulls her along, especially in those times when her body is tired and the last thing she wants to do is run hard. So how about you? What is your running goal? Is it to finish a marathon? Is it just to complete a 5K? 
Is it just to get out and run 20 minutes three times a week? Whatever your goal is, you have to train with expectation. You have to expect that you will cross that finish line. You have to expect that you'll look back and realize that you have been training consistently for the last six months. The home run hitter strikes out, and you'll fall short on occasion, but you have to expect to knock it out of the park. The Bible tells us in many places that we will have a tough time being a Christian. James tells us to consider it pure joy when things are tough. Expectation is important. If we walk around all the time expecting things to be easy, well, what's going to happen when things are difficult? We should expect that we'll have to take a tough stand sometimes. We have to expect that not everyone will agree with our faith and may, in fact, attack us for it. But we have to be willing to fight those battles when they arise. If we're not equipped through the reading of the Bible and through prayer, we can't expect to win those battles. Likewise, if you want to reach your running goal, you have to have an expectation, not only of the accomplishment of the goal, but also for the tough times that will come in training. They will come. If you're not expecting them, how will you respond when they do? Ultimately, by keeping our eyes and mind fixed on the expectation of a great finish, either physically or spiritually, it will happen. We may strike out occasionally or we may fall just short of a goal, but in the end, if we have battled with expectation, we will be satisfied with the results. Most importantly, God will be happy with the results. It's a great story, Dean. Uh, So not only can we compare our running to our walk of faith, but also to other sports sure <laughs> so base we didn't know baseball and running had something in common but yeah if, if you don't have a target you're never going to hit it that's right right yep yeah it's a it's a it's a great lesson to be learned there it's kind of why we talk about you talk all the time about putting it on your mirror bathroom mm-hmm. mirror you know and having your goals in front of you um i remember what i used to do um and i don't necessarily do today is i used to i used to put all my running goals on a sh- one sheet of paper mm-hmm. all different distances and i would fold them up and I would put them in an envelope. And then on the outside of the envelope, I know this sounds really corny now, but I would write, reaching for the stars. Mm-hmm. And I would take that envelope, I would seal it up, and I would put it above my door so that when I left every day, it was right above my door, and I had to look at it every day I walked out the door. Hmm. And uh, I couldn't see what was in that envelope, but I knew what was in that envelope. Hmm. And it drove me every day. So. Um, keep your goals in front of you you should expect to get to that marathon finish line in a year if you're part of this couch to marathon program Um, successful people in general are successful because they expect yeah that's why i don't like the term um you know you ask somebody you running a marathon well i I hope to get there your language has a lot to do with your success as well yeah. Um, because if if your goal is to run a marathon, then the 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 language that comes out of your mouth is I'm running. If you're running the Disney Marathon this January, I'm running. If if you ask me, I'm running the Disney Marathon this January. Are there things that could derail that? Absolutely. But I'm not focused on that. That's I'm right. focused on the marathon. And when you change your terminology to I hope, I'm going to try, that's leaving yourself wiggle room. Sarah Hall. I'm sure she had a process goal in mind, 
And I will guarantee she never used phrases like, I'm going to try to hit this process goal. What yeah. she did in London was pretty special. Yeah. And by gravy, I will guarantee at the starting line, she was saying, I'm going to do this. Not, well, I'm going to try. Yeah. Uh, and I, I understand what people are doing when they say that, but you have to understand your words have consequences in our own psyche, our yeah. own goal setting. That's um, correct. So, yeah. Great story. Yeah, I think about that in the context of our Christianity, too. We always talk mm-hmm. about having hope. And we do have hope, and we know what that means, and it's a positive phrase to say that we have hope. But we have expectation. Well, and it's why I don't like – I don't like the term, the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I, yeah. I just never have liked that because that's putting the expectation that I'm going to sin. Yeah. Now, are we going to sin? Yes. We're all sinners. We're all saved by grace. But we should wake up every morning with the goal, the intention, we're not going to sin today. Yeah. Um, and we should wake up every day trying to reset that and reset that and reset that. Because guess what? The more we have that mentality, the less and less of that thing we're going to do. But yeah. if, if we're just constantly going down and going around and having our head hung low, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's like saying, I'm going to try to run that marathon. Yeah. It doesn't it's maybe we might get some hate mail for this. I I just don't like that phrase. I think you're dead on. <laughs> If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. Okay, are you out there and you've thought about becoming a Run for God coach, but you haven't done it yet? Well, go out there and check it out. Go to runforgod.com. Become a coach. Yeah, don't just have this, I might try, like we were just talking about, right? (laughs) Let's just do it. Let's make these absolute statements. I'm going to be a Run for God coach. Because I'll guarantee you one thing, if you're listening to this, becoming a coach will change you just as much or more than the students in which you're teaching. We see it over and over. It happened to me. It happened to Dean. It happened to lots of people that I know. Uh, it'll change your perspective on on the sport that you love. Yeah. And yeah. it'll change somebody else's life in the process, which is awesome. Amen. You know, another sport I love, and the reason why that whole story came out was because I love baseball. I just love baseball. I've always loved baseball. And um, there are some hitters out there. Some people will read that that are baseball fans, and they'll think, well, you know, what about Frank Thomas, the big hurt? You know, he had a high average and hit a lot of home runs. I know they're out there. Babe Ruth was another one. Babe Ruth didn't strike out much. But um, but in general, mm-hmm. the way it works is those guys that hit a lot of home runs strike out a lot. So <laughs> here's what, it's, uh, uh, what a lot of people don't know. This is very interesting on how your mind works. I love this this story. Now, Ty Cobb is the guy that had the highest lifetime batting average. He batted 367 lifetime. He was a, he was a great hitter. 
He was um, – but when Ty Cobb was in the league for several years before Babe Ruth came along, then Babe Ruth came along, Babe Ruth started hitting all these home runs. Prior to that, the home run really wasn't much of a thing in baseball. Babe Ruth comes along and just changes the game by, by hitting all these home runs. Well, Ty Cobb keeps hearing about Babe Ruth, and he's tired of hearing about Babe Ruth. So a reporter comes to him and and, and bringing Babe Ruth up again. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out there today, and I'm going to show you that it's not that big a deal. I can hit home runs, too. And so he actually goes out that day and goes six for six, hits, hits what, three home runs, two doubles and a single. I mean, on a day when, or two singles and a double. On a day when he just said, I'm just going to do it. And he just goes out there and does it. Kind of, kind of. He didn't like, say I'll try. No, he did not. He actually <laughs> did it. And then the next day, he ran. He hit two more home runs the next day. And then he decided, you know what? I, I like what I was doing before. And he went back to hitting for for average again. Um, but it's kind of a testament to what we can do with our minds, mm-hmm. right? Here is a guy who just changed his mindset and changed what he did based on what he thought he could do. He th- he thought. My expectation is, my thought is, I can go out there and I can hit home runs instead of just getting these base hits if I want to. We, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, how many times have we done this with our athletes? And I know we're on the Run for God podcast here, but sometimes we'll lie to them because we know that their demeanor will completely change. I think about Lane, and Lane used to really struggle with, you know, especially when he was doing like uh, a tempo run and we were calling splits out every 400. If 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 he was two seconds over on one four hundred and you called that out, you would see his shoulders drop. Mm-hmm. You would see him moaning and groaning, and his run would just go straight downhill. And then it got to be where I would I would lie to him. <laughs> he would come through, and I don't I don't know one fifteen was what he was trying to hit. And he would come through in one seventeen. I would just say one fifteen, and he would. He he knew the pace. He just had a bad lap, and he would pull it back together, and he would finish his tempo. But if I would have said 117 at that point in his career, I mean, every lap, it would have went downhill from yep. there. It would have went to 118. It's, yep. it's the same thing you're talking about here. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I remember going through this myself in a baseball game when I was young. I was, think I was – I think I was 14 years old at the time. We were at a – it was a big game. It was a Southeastern Regional Championship. So there's these teams from states all over the place. And we're, this was our last game that we played. And I, st- I stepped up to the plate, and we were behind. And we, were, we, were, we had already lost one game, so this was going to be an elimination game for us. And we were going to be out and finish third in the tournament, and we were going to be really bummed. And I was just like, I'm batting. I'm hitting one out of the park here. I am going to. And I, up to that point, I had struggled. That whole series, I had struggled and, and not hit very well. But at that point, it was like I had this – it was like this energy, like this thing that just overtook me. Well, I hit the ball. I didn't hit it out of the park, but I did hit a ground rule double. And uh, But I just remember just feeling so powerful as I stepped up to the plate. Like, it doesn't matter what that guy throws here. Mm-hmm. I am hitting it out of the park. <laughs> And uh, and I think about that from the again from our standpoint on what what we think we can do versus what we what we can do. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have that kind of confidence because we can do more than we think we can. Yeah, we we can do we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Yeah, and so many times we have that strength, we have that peace. 
So that's a win right there. If you've got yeah. the strength and you've got the peace from God, it's going to happen. That's that's already settled. But we we put God in a box based on what we can do. Yeah. And Mitchell Hollis in 2010 didn't know the first thing about everything we're doing right now. Yeah. But God did. Mm-hmm. And thank God I trusted him enough to to step out. And I, I've said it so many times. Why did he choose a guy that was just an okay runner at best and didn't know the Bible as well as he should? And it's because he knew that I couldn't take the credit for what is happening right now. And I can't. It's, yeah. it's all God. Yeah. Yeah. I remember another story about when I was younger, and this was a running, a particular running story. And you've heard this story before because I've shared it with, with our athletes at times. And um, there was a guy when I was in high school. His name was Milton Cato. And when I was a junior in high school, Milton, every race was the exact same thing. It was just one imprint over another. The times may have changed. You don't it, sound bitter. Oh, my goodness. Every race. Every race. And I would hear Milton behind me, right? I could hear his footsteps behind me. And then all of a sudden, you know, less than a, or about 100 meters to go, I would hear this. And I knew Milton was coming around You knew around what me, was about to happen. And he was going to outkick me to the finish line. And it happened time after time after time. Well, I remember my summer between my junior year and my senior year, and I was determined that was not going to happen again. I was done with that. I was not allowing him to do that. Whatever it took, I was not going to allow it to happen. Fast forward to the next year. The next year, the first time he and I face face each other on the track, we're running the four-by-one-mile relay, and we're both the anchor legs for our team. And wouldn't you know it, we get the baton at almost the exact same time. They had a really good team. They were – I think we were second and they were third in cross country in in the uh, state meet. So we both had really good teams. We get that baton. Well, he gets it just a fraction of a second before I did. And so what I did was I let him him go. I let him get out in front of me. And uh, he wasn't used to that because usually I would be out in front of him. And so he's running. Well, we ran that first lap crazy slow. I mean – Normally, let's because he was wanting you to go in front of him. We were probably ten seconds slower on a, on just a single lap than we would normally be because he was waiting for me to go around him, and I was like, "I'm not doing it. I'm, he's not doing it to me again." And so, uh, so we got up, and then the second lap was kind of closer to normal. He he was like, "All right, if he's not coming, I guess I'll just go." And he starts running a little bit faster. Well, then on the third lap, I pulled up on his shoulder. And then we started kind of pushing each other just a little bit. But I wouldn't pass him. I'd get just on his shoulder so he knew I was still there. So he picked it up a little faster on that third lap. And then on the last lap, I was like, from 400 meters out, it was almost a dead sprint. As hard as I could go, I was gonna, I was either going to die before I hit the finish line <laughs> or I was going to make him die before we hit the finish line. And so for that last lap, I just ran I just ran my guts out. And sure enough, we get to about 200 meters, and I could hear those steps behind me. And then I could hear... I could hear him pick it up. I was like, oh, no, not again. And I just dug down with everything I had. And I beat Milton to the finish line that day. And he never beat me again. Because all of a sudden, I had this confidence that I knew I could do it. And it never happened again because I knew from – and that was the beginning of the, the track season. He didn't do it through the entire track season because I knew it. I had the confidence that I needed. You got it. Yep. You, you got it. And Yeah. 
Yep. That's all. There's another sermon right there. Absolutely. There is another sermon in that story. Probably should have saved that story for one of the Dean's Thoughts things, huh? Well, I think you should still do it. (laughs) Trivia question for this week. It's been a while since we talked about this, so let's see how this goes. The marathon got its name from a soldier in ancient Greece who ran from Marathon, Greece to Athens, Greece to bring news of a military victory. What was his name? I know this one. Do we do we need to say they have to spell it right? <laughs> That's a big hint right there. That's a, <laughs> uh, so there's your hint. All right. So tell us who that guy was. And uh, learn a little bit about his story, too. If you, you find the name, to dig into his story a little bit. It's very interesting. So if you know the name, you have to email it to dean at runforgod.com. Not customer service, not Facebook Messenger. You have to be a member of Run Club. And you have to email it to dean at runforgod.com, and you will get a very cool Run Club box that has devotions, a T-shirt, bumper sticker, coffee mug. Pretty cool box. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So every week we share why running is so awesome, and this is why it's so awesome this week. I'm going to go back to a well that we were just talking about. It's the only sport specifically mentioned in the Bible. How cool is that? I just think that's awesome. Um, so I think – I mean, I mean, just by reason and deduction, I think that would mean that running is God's favorite sport. Absolutely. I mean, theoretically, I don't, do you think that's a bridge too far? No, I, I, I don't think it's a bridge too far. I think we're dead on that. I think it will be the only I, – I bet – I just you – know, this may be a bridge too far. Will they have running in heaven? I don't know, but I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting <laughs> to see. That's uh, – we may all we may all be able to run sub two hour marathons in heaven. That's right. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Of course, then it would kind of lose its luster, wouldn't it? If we could uh, all do it. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Motivational thought of the week, which was his, inspired by Hippocrates. If you're in a bad mood, go for a run. If you're still in a bad mood, go for another run. <laughs> I thought that said inspired by hypocrites when I read that. <laughs> I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> it's Hippocrates. Oh, that's my that's, southern dialect coming out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yep. You, 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 you got to get it all out. There's times when you know things aren't going well. We can go out for a run and we'll feel better. Whether it's whether we're sad, whether we're, we're angry. You know, whatever that emo- that negative emotion is, a lot of times we can run that right out of ourselves. And you never regret it. That's right. You never, never, ever. You may feel horrible when you get done, but it's an awesome kind of horrible. Running is mind-altering. That is for sure. All right. So, hey, listen, everybody. You're doing great. Keep up the great training. Keep up the good work. Um, support one another just as you have. Uh, you guys are doing such a great job on Facebook of supporting one another. It's awesome. It is incredible to watch. And the positive comments of some people who, who are in the group are now like, I've never seen anything like this group. It's so awesome. So, And the cool thing, Gay actually came out this morning and, and talked talk to us about a particular uh, post on there. But what is really encouraging is just like this story that we read this morning, how transparent everybody is. Everybody is beginning to understand. This group, this club is beginning to understand that stories can help people. It helps you telling the story to kind of 
get it out. You know, uh, the devil wants to keep us in darkness and, and think we're the only one. Uh, but there's been some people telling some pretty transparent stories on Run Club and to see the people just rally around them and lift them up. And that's why I say it's the, it's the greatest Facebook group on Facebook. Yep. I believe that because I see what's – there's there's no negative. There's no – I mean, you see some garbage on some yeah. Facebook groups out there. No and, and this is – I look forward to getting on it every night and just seeing – what's yeah. being talked about and it's hard to keep up with now there's it, so much on there yeah. but it's all good stuff it is good stuff and you're right it is hard to keep up with these days but hey keep glorifying god both in your running and everything else that you do you're doing a great job now may god bless every step of every run go out there and shine your light good job Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.